Welcome to In Conversation With. Join me, Danny Jarvis, as I sit down with guest DJs, promoters, record labels, content makers, and anyone making moves on the underground house music scene. There's plenty of nostalgia, but there's also some key insights as to where the underground scene is today. So if you like what you hear, please hit the follow or subscribe button and leave us a review. Wherever you will listen to your podcasts, at the gym, in the car, or chilled at home. Relax and enjoy In Conversation With. So, Tom McMorrow, McMo, welcome to what is now the eighth episode of In Conversation with myself. Thank you, Dan. Um, thanks for taking time out this evening to join me on a, on a podcast. Uh-huh. Um, just noticing your T-shirt there. For, the, for those that cannot see... Tom is sporting a limited edition Lost in T-shirt. The Lost in T-shirt that was to glow, sort of reflect in the dark, but probably missed by everybody and the printers who got it slightly wrong. (laughs) Oh, this is definitely never glowed in the dark for me. (laughs) I definitely missed that one. I don't know what I'm there. So how are you doing, Tom? I'm not too bad at all. Yeah, I'm not too bad, you know. It's uh, yeah, it's uh, it's been a bit of a rainy day here in London, um, but yeah, I'm good. Yeah, we had some freakish uh, wind last night. Uh, I don't mean I don't mean me and Emma. I mean weather, and um, that certainly blew the trees and everything else about. So I was, I was out last night at ten o'clock securing the garden furniture and all these kind of like middle class things that go on in your garden that you've got to uh, protect so you're not out. Tied down. The weekend, yeah, the weekend following, <laughs> buying it all again because it's flown across five gardens. Yeah. <laughs> so, Tom, um, I know you very well. You mm-hmm. uh, have been a friend of mine now for, I think it's going back like even four years. Mm-hmm. Um, for the benefit of our listeners, just um, we'd love to find out a little bit more about yourself tonight. Mm-hmm. Start us off like I do with many. Tell us about your your kind of background, um, where you kind of first discovered your love of the underground music scene? Well, um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I'll I'll tell you a little about, bit about my relationship with music generally, because I think that that'll lead into where, you know, how I kind of got into being into the progressive scene itself and into house music itself. Um, I mean, I've always come from a, uh, my my family's very musical, um, and I've I used to play the flute and the piano when I was eleven. Um, around about fourteen, I started playing the guitar. So music's always been a kind of a, a part of my life, um, very important part of my life, really. Um, I've always loved it, and in in a very very particular way. Um, but my tastes were, from a young age, quite eclectic. I was always into a bit of everything, really. Um, loved classical music. Um, Beethoven, for example, was my favourite composer. Bit of a nutter himself. Um, a bit, it would have been like an early underground DJ, I reckon, in the, back in his day. Um, more, more of a Sasha than a digweed. Yeah, well, yeah, most certainly, yeah. Um, <laughs> What always amazed me about him is he was deaf when he wrote the Fifth Symphony. 
which just always used to blow my mind how somebody would have that amount of music just in there in, in, in some way that he'd be able to then you know still get out into the world you know um and i loved i loved you know i loved a bit of pop you know i was into madonna i loved a bit of belinda carlisle jackson five i love rock um and I even loved a bit of electronic stuff with, you know, Jean-Michel Jarre. I mean, Jean-Michel Jarre, I loved. And I think it can be probably easily said that, you know, he was somewhat of an influence on my sort of developing uh, interest in electronic music. Um, and so, you know, I grew up, I reckon, uh, well, I reckon I grew up in... The, I was born 73, so mid 80s. I mean, I was 11 in 1984. And that sort of late 70s to 80s scene was so rich it, musically. It really was. And there was just so much there. Um, and then in the 90s was the grunge scene, UK indie stuff. Um, you know, Stone Roses. Stone Roses was one of the biggest influences on me. I mean, that album just blew my mind. Um, and it was, I had a friend who would listen to, he was slightly older than me and he was, he was, you know, he would buy all sorts of music and introduce me to all sorts of music. And so I had a, a really, I was really lucky to, to have this mate who introduced me to, to this stuff. And it was just like, wow, okay, this, this is awesome. Um, I became a bit of a goth at one point as well. So whereas there was the sort of lighter side to some of my <laughs> musical tastes, there was also that kind of darker, deeper side. I used to listen to bands like um, Fields of the Nephilim, <laughs> Sisters of Mercy, The Mission, um, that, that kind of the, the dark side of, of that, the musical world, really. Um, and then... For, for me, sort of the, that sort of early house, acid house scene, the kind of that summer of love, 89 to 90, it kind of passed me by, really. Um, even though around that time I was, yeah, I was about 18, and but I was quite religious. And that scene was, you know, wild illegal parties, you know, uh, association with drugs. And, and so... The, the individual that I was, it wasn't something that particularly appealed to me. Um, but I had a cousin who was a DJ um, who was my age, and he, he put together a, a couple of CDs for me, um, which I listened to, and it was, it was something he just made for me. And it was really my first education in in house music. I remember falling in love with that track by um, Crystal Waters, Gypsy Woman. And that to me, still to this day, <laughs> I absolutely love that track. And that would have been, you know, one of the first time when I was like, oh, you know what? I actually, I really like this music. Um, And he's and to this day he's still a DJ. He himself he just, DJs. He just, does a lot of old school stuff. Sorry, just to, sorry. Yeah, just to interject there. I, I'm sorry for cutting you off. No, no. It, it, it made it made me made me think of something there. Yeah. The it's an interesting combination 
that me knowing you but not knowing parts about your history like this yeah. is that when you were saying you were drawn to darker music, yeah, yet you were quite religious, yeah, and yet there was something about the rave scene that was yeah. kind of taboo. Yeah. That's an interesting dichotomy because yeah. at, you're you're only a little bit older than me. You're five years older than me, but yeah. with you being at that key age, very much what your parents thought about you or society thought about the music you like almost branded you and there's a couple of things you said there i mean one was the sort of references to the drug scene that yeah. that mix that i did for our progressive house uk um birthday yeah i used hardcore uproar and i used the sample that was on youtube where yeah. they'd taken all of the news kind of um articles that run at the time news interviews with people on the street yeah explaining exactly what you've just said about oh they must all be on drugs and and they reference oh is it like a cult is it a kind of cult thing yeah yet interestingly the music you were listening to in in the rock end yeah it was more accepted yeah that that could be like that yeah and yeah. it, it, it's interesting that a, a mere culturally made up reference to this music being dangerous, which was peddled heavily by the government at the time, was enough to put you off a little yeah. bit. That's yeah. yeah. I just wanted to pick that up because yeah. that's fascinating because anyway, we're clearly drawn to something a bit darker. Yeah, because in religious circles as well. It, yeah, it was it was it was it, the way it was spoken about. It was exactly what you're saying. It was very much uh you know more the devil's music uh and like that and so somewhat somewhat demonic than say listening to the mission which almost had these religious overtones i mean the mission goes without saying you know um sisters of mercy even though you know the the music was you know irreligious in its in so many ways um and could be seen as even you know just as just as demonic it was it was just it was more accepted it was more acceptable for sure um but in some sense it satisfied some of those kind of needs to um as a as a you know as a teenager to be somewhat rebellious you know and to be you know to express some of your more rebellious nature and my parents would never have <laughs> liked me going to gigs like fields of the nephilim but it was it, if I'd said I was going to a rave, it was it was it would have been an absolute no no. It was just it wasn't going to happen. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, it's interesting how that how the scene itself was characterised certainly by the media and by the conservative press. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm guessing I think I'm right. You grew up in Ireland, right? No, no, no. I grew up in no, London. No, you got Irish parents. Is that that's it? right? So my yeah, so my dad's Irish, and my mum's Italian. Um, both Catholic, so I grew up in a, a staunch Catholic environment, um, which, yeah, was uh, very conservative, and um, even mu- you know musically, um, you know, the, the, you know, the certain things that you might listen to, so even certain elements of rock, so you know, certain elements of metal, so you know, certain types of rock bands would be frowned upon simply because of their uh, you know the degree to which they were you know expressed you know outrageous lyrics to do with um uh, sexuality or yeah. to do with um you know um the heaven and hell i mean acdc's you know 
um, highway to hell, you know, it's the sort of thing that, you know, it would have been an absolute shocker to my parents. Why would anyone sing about that? Almost kind of reveling in the kind of that, that's that element of life. And so unfortunately that had some influence on the sorts of music that I would listen to. Um, but I began to study religion and began to sort of like change my relationship with religion, which at the same time also then gave me an opportunity to be a bit more open to uh, aspects of life, which, you know, up until that point, it would have been, you know, I would have been closed down to. And so I started to listen to more, um, to more house music, you know, um, around sort of, you know, the early nineties, between 90 and 92. Um, it's when I sort of started clubbing, um, in the sixth form and, you know, I had this mate Boris <laughs> convinced me to go to my first rave well, rave, first club, uh, which was Ministry of Sound. And this is in its earliest days. You know, I think it would only been open like a year. Um, and a load of us would, in the sixth form, would go down to this event in Shoreditch at the Shoreditch Town Hall. It was called the Whirly Gig. Um, and they had a DJ there called DJ Monkey Pilot. And he'd play a whole bunch of different stuff like trance, house, uh, acid house, trip hop, disco, and the night would always end with this, with everyone would gather around with this giant sort of like tarpaulin that would that would fill the entire hall and balloons would come down and everyone would be like, would get underneath it. And it was just, it was amazing to me. And there would be balloons everywhere and everyone getting underneath this tarpaulin. And it was, you know, it was really, you know, my my introduction to this kind of music and this kind of scene. And I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Um, you think and, that, do you think and that's the, still going, by the way. The Whirly is still going. You know, they're they're still having, yeah, it's still going. They're still having events to this day. Um, is it still yeah. the same piece of tarpaulin, though? You know, that's, oh, that's, what I a, know. that's, that's, that's you know a good I mean? question. That, that's yeah. just supposed to last forever, isn't it? Let's, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what, what, where they got it from, and what it was just huge, and it would get rolled out end of the night, final track. And uh, then these balloons would come down. Everyone would pull it and fire the balloons up into the air. And it's, apparently it still goes on, you know, it still goes on. I, you think, know. I think this is just a guest on, on my behalf, maybe. But I think what essentially is, is very different about people's first experience of going clubbing or, or certainly the house music scene is that, first of all, the, the music was very new. People didn't know particularly how to behave to it, how to particularly dance to it. I mean, we yeah. all see footage of of raves, a kind of very sort of primitive sort of stomping, dancing, um, you know, nothing nothing like today's standards of, of what you would describe as dance. But I think people were always used to queuing up in traditional senses in at gigs, uh, concerts, you know, looking the same way, looking in the same direction, looking towards the stage, you know, in the theatre, you would look towards the, the the stage. You were used to this kind of proscenium arch type thing. And, and what I certainly found in my early days of clubbing was that this freedom of expression, this kind of looking at each other almost as the music was playing, working it out together. And yeah. often venues would create these little, you know, to use this kind of religious term, but not in a religious way, would create these little rituals that would yeah. bring people together and say, yeah. oh, we went to this place and they did this thing. Yeah. You know, those sorts of little extras 
you could only afford to do that if you were a band with serious clout that could yeah. that could that could have a tour that could have something that everybody did either yeah. by way of sing along yeah. or pass pass maybe a flag along yeah. or, or or something like that and i yeah. think that these are the things that when i discussed it with other people you kind of go away and you're like what was that what was yeah. going on yeah. like was that real did, yeah. did, we all just did it yeah. i think that's a nice story yeah. um because it's very easy i think for people around that time who also clubbed mm. to imagine the kind of thing you were experiencing there mm. and because there was there was also this element that you know for those who've grown up in a religious environment and, and you know regularly gone to mass and a, and, and a mass is you've got a group of people a congregation you've got a, a central point at the front you've got a priest you know who's up there doing his thing connecting with god up at the altar and you know you go to an event at a club and it wasn't entirely a different environment in fact it was very similar but just so much more fun you had a guy up at the front communing through with god but through you know <laughs> through the decks you know through the music um and you know a whole congregation of people in front basically praising <laughs> Praising here, hands in the air, you know, enjoying themselves and dancing in a way that was quite tribal, that had this kind of, you know, lots of religious overtones in in that sense. And it's and, and you can't escape that, you know, and you you think it, you know, it reminds me of that scene in um in the Matrix, um second one, <laughs> Matrix Revolutions, where there's that everyone dancing, that tribal to dance and and to to be in an environment where people are dancing to a rhythm is 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 you know it's it's written in our bones you know it's kind of it's what it's it's so human and it's a yeah, very it's very, very it's human thing you know um and it's and it was almost missing from that religious environment unless of course you went to some of these evangelical events where everyone is kind of you know um hands in the air you know uh going a bit mental uh you know for jesus you know and and i'd been to events like that and so you know, suddenly he was something quite similar but with this music that had this energy and that would make you feel a certain way that was it was very difficult not to like you know yeah it's interesting i mean i never thought we'd probably dwell on this part of of, of the topic but certainly in you mentioned Ministry of Sound there. When I well, first started, I think about that word ministry, you know, ministry, yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> it's a ministry, word, of yeah. sound. ministry of sound, yeah. And they became very famous for a certain period with nights like Ruling mm -hmm. that were CJ McIntosh, who played Gospel House. Yeah. A huge portion of yeah. music around that time, the That's early right. sort of stuff from America, the gospel stuff, um, you know, was heavily centered around singing about God. Yeah. It was. Yeah. Um, you could easily think that they were talking about love. They were they were really talking about their love for Jesus, God. Yeah. And gospel music was a really happy, joyful music. Oh, yeah. It was a huge part of it. Yeah. I would I would probably argue it was bigger in London um than it was up north. I think you got yeah. a lot more more dubby sort of stuff and of course we did have the stone roses and various other sort of manchester and, and more of an acid house sound because of mm -hmm. the hacienda yeah but certainly the things you've discussed there make perfect sense to me yeah. i think um there was also a kind of um 
a you, you know you would you would get your groups of friends and you would do a pilgrimage to other clubs around the country you would yeah. head for this special thing yeah. in droves of cars you know yeah. hoping you would get in hoping you would you would experience this potential magic that happened yeah. in other towns that you'd heard about yeah. um I didn't really think when we first started having these conversations and doing these podcasts that this part of the kind of chat would be as interesting every time for me. Mm. I thought what would happen is when we would discuss this, people would sort of say the same things over and over. Mm. But what I've been amazed about is the difference mm. of people's experiences of almost the same time period, depending yeah. on where they actually lived. Yeah. Now, you and I are north and south. Um, I'm originally northwest. I'm not as north as I am now, mm-hmm. and our experiences just by definition were totally different. So, what in those early days? Where were the kind of clubs that you frequented? Where did you hone in on that was your kind of, you know, rights to passage and and you learnt your kind of like um, tastes from clubs? Yeah. Life? So I've already mentioned the Whirly gig, but that the, you know, again, the sounds there were so eclectic. Um, but I, pretty soon after that, we would start to frequent a club in the embankment called Megatropolis, where they played mainly trance and acid, acid trance. And that became a bit of a regular. Um, and I loved that sort of hard sound. Um, and we would go, and then basically, um, I had a mate who, decided to live in a squat he left home decided to live in a squat and when I'd go and visit him he'd, he'd, he'd have me listening to techno and you know I'd never really you know he was he, he kind of schooled me in in techno and I began to really like that kind of really minimalist hard sound and we'd go to events like Megadog where they had bands like well bands like like setups like Eat Static, Transglobal Underground, um system seven you know I, I started listening to all that sort of music 808 state um and while at the same time there'd be the odd night we'd still go i'd still go to an indie night at like woody's in the number grove where it would be all indie stuff you know and so you know i still had this real eclectic taste you know i could listen and i could i could enjoy both and i loved both um, and I and I always used to look at the DJs in in both these sorts of environments, um, and and want to be able to do that. And I thought I'd love to be able to do that, but I never really had the confidence in myself. I never th- I never actually thought that I would that I would be that sort of person who could do something like that, you know. Um, but then in around ninety five. I went to Manchester University and things took on uh, sort of another <laughs> sort of another step in my evolution um, to where I am today. And because at that time the Hacienda was still open and that was a regular. So we, you know, in the in the three years I was I was in Manchester, we were going to Hacienda. And in those early days at 95, Jeremy Healy was a big fave. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, how long have we known each other? We were in Manchester at the same time. Uh, no way, seriously. 
so my brother my brother first took me to the Hacienda in 94 yeah. mm-hmm. in 1995 I was 17 regularly going over to his wow. club in there yeah. friends that dr- would drive us over well, there you I, moved, go. I moved there in 96 yeah and I left just before 1998 well there you go so we no two ways about it so yeah. you would have done cream tours yeah, uh, Jeremy Healy and Graham Park would yeah. come together on the Cream tours. Yeah, you would. Cream. You... Uh, some of this. Those were some of the earliest mixes that I bought. Were some of those those Cream mixes? Yeah. And what about? Um, oh, this is good. This is going to be really interesting. I'm going to try not to to sort of steal half the show talking about Manchester. But did you ever go to Sasha and Digweed's Northern Exposure tour of the house? So, um, I didn't actually go to the tour, but I've, I. But at the time, because it was 96, wasn't it, that album came yeah. out? And absolutely fell in love with it. But for one reason or another, I never actually managed to go and see them. Yeah, so it was, to this day, something I regret. Um, but yeah, no, yeah, I was aware of it. I was aware of them. Yeah, they, they were just huge. Yeah. Uh, but we, did you ever go to, like, I mean, I, I was pretty much determinant on where where my brother were fancy going or where we'd all organized there was because it was bowlers in life that was quite a different type of house mm-hmm. music mm-hmm. that was a little bit more dare i say on the kind of the older school happy piano vibe whereas the mm-hmm. house kind of did have these tour djs you know s- saturday night was very regular with like hacienda night with graham sort of park and those types of djs david dunn i think was resident then as well mm-hmm. um and it was the tour nights that were more interesting, actually, mm-hmm. uh, as the has been a club rather than the, the night that, yeah. that they played at. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where else did you manage to frequent? Because there was so there was a little place called Sankey Soap. Yeah, yeah, Golden. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was yeah, that was a that was a regular. Um, and you know, being a student, we would just we would have loads of our own little parties and. We had loads of our own little DJs who just, you know, they would they they would turn up, they'd rock up and just blow the place up. And they were playing stuff like Psytrance, Techno, you know, Prog in. And, and that was and I remember at the time and, and, and you, what always used to blow me away is how different one DJ could be to another and how particular DJs so DJs who played prog and psytrance just would absolutely for me you know you get those goosebumps you just like, oh yes it would just be amazing absolutely amazing stuff um yeah so you know manchester was a big a big evolution in my love Mm. for that music and for house music and, and electronic music generally um but still i i you know it you know, as in terms of DJing, I never, you know, although I'd started putting my hand in and, you know, having a little go and spinning, spinning a few records here and there, it was, I still didn't quite have the confidence in myself. And it was only till I, I started teaching. Uh, so I left, I, I graduated in 98 and I was teaching by 99. And I, at the, and interestingly, what's, it's, this, this is another sort of little growth element. On my way to work and on my way back to work, I couldn't stand your standard Radio 1, Capital Radio. I just couldn't stand. Me like, neither. Just, I hated you know, it. 
it was and so what I ended up doing and I had a little old Fiat Panda you know and I you know with a cassette deck and a radio and I'd and I'd tune that and I'd find it you know I'd find pirate radio stations playing house music and one of them was Point Blank uh, Point Blank Radio and I'd tune into Point Blank and another one that I, I, I can't remember the name of um and they'd be playing US Garage, Deep House. Um, I mean, at that time, UK Garage was was a big thing, but I was never a big fan of UK Garage. That US vocal, funky house. And I was just like, what? <laughs> Where has this been in my life? Because really, to a large extent, although, you know, there've been time, you know, elements, I must, you know, I got introduced to elements of it. Largely, my life had been quite the harder edge, that kind of the prog- that prog sound, techno, side trance, tr- a lot of trance, in fact. I love trance. But suddenly, I was listening to this funky house, US house, vocal house. And like you say, so many of these producers are actually working within gospel communities and making religious music, but really funky and really just um, beautiful house. And I was there, I'd be kind of recording shows, writing down the names of things, going, what is that? Where can I listen to this again? Got really excited by by that pirate radio, you know, house scene. Um, I think, I think to such an extent that I, got, I, got, I would get in the car at the end of work and whack, whack a cassette in that I'd recorded or turn the radio on, whack it up on the, <laughs> my little foot, you know, five-inch five inch wide speakers of my Fiat Panda, you know, and, you know, rock on home. And the kids would be like, yes, sir, listen to his house. Listen to Mr. Mama. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'd be like, like, oh, yeah, see you later, guys, <laughs> you know. And, uh, yeah, yeah, it was it was funny. But, yeah, because I was what? I was 26, 27 at the time, you know. Um, and, yeah, that was a life changer for me, you know. It's 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 weird, isn't it? Like doesn't like I said, there's five years difference between us, but it's it's quite significant. You're you're younger than my brother; he's eight years older than me, and and his his influence on me, which I've I've talked about before, being able to take me places and get me in, was yeah. because he was eight years older. <laughs> yeah, he knew where he could get me in, and also by very definition of me being that much younger, sort of fifteen. Yeah, I had to go where he was going, right? I yeah. wasn't going to go out in Manchester and say, see you later. I, I was dependent on him. So his tastes were my tastes. And interesting you, you say that because when I think about the level of which I was into that music, by the time I was in Manchester, it wasn't, for me, it wasn't just, oh, I like this. Yeah. I had a very deep understanding of exactly what I liked. I, I knew that yeah. I liked yeah certain DJs because they did certain things. Yeah. Sim- similar to you, though, I was quite happy to go from one style to another mm-hmm. because I appreciated its difference. I think yeah. one of the things that I really understood about Gospel House is that the people who sang it sang with such joy and yeah. passion and heart, yeah. probably yeah. because they were singers that were taken from very early on, singing in choirs, singing in gospel choirs, became singers, you know, natural singers, and sang with such ease that it sounded better than any pop record you could ever hear yeah. because the voices are so rich. Yeah. And that was something that pretty much 
lasted and probably until about 1999 when that music kind of left favor and we moved into this more into this more middle ground where music generally started to speed up mm-hmm. where if it was house you, you turned it right it became funky house which just yeah. kind of meant faster house music mm-hmm. less <clears throat> lyrics less songs mm-hmm. less actual like content mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and became this more slightly throwaway um culture but mm-hmm. my my time in manchester cemented a lot of that because piccadilly records and all of the places where i went and bought records when i was in manchester yeah obviously peddled a lot of this stuff yeah you might buy an album um of kind of like underworld you might buy that on a on a 12 inch album and mm-hmm. have it in your collection mm-hmm. you didn't you didn't necessarily mix it i was very yeah much getting used to mixing the dubs AMPM records were massive for me yeah and, and in, I sort of cut my teeth playing that in Manchester um but I'd, I'd come from the hardcore the rave yeah and and the energy of all those types of music was what just it just resonated with me over any other kind of music yeah um I remember you know I remember the Stone Roses I remember it I remember Paisley shirts Early nineties, school discos, <laughs> Stone Roses would come on, and then you'd have like Snap. Yeah. And you'd have these these real hodgepodge of pop tunes, because they were all pop tunes. Yeah. And as soon as I'd found this other outlet, I just that was it. It was like that Narnia. Was I was yeah. just through the door, yeah. never came back. <laughs> um but it, of course, like I'm saying, it's because of the age you were at. You were already going out. You're making choices freely about where you can go out, yeah. where you access it. I think I was, again, I've mentioned it before, kind of waiting for tapes to come to me, mm. sending off for tapes of these places that I was not yet old enough to get in. Mm-hmm. And I was imagining what these these things would be like. It sounded like you was, found your groove quite early on in that sense. Yeah, 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 I, pro- I probably did. I think by the time yeah. I went to uni in Salford, I was a lot more kind of quote unquote advanced socially, yeah. Yeah. you know, understanding what the queue was like, not shitting yeah. your pants that you weren't going to get in, acting mm-hmm. a certain way, you just acted with confidence. Once you got in a club, you weren't sort of going, what the hell? Like a lot of people who were yeah. freshly 18, freshly <clears> from little towns or little villages that had come to uni were kind of like what is this yeah. i was in manchester for the music is why i went the yeah. degree was certainly second yeah um but but that i guess this is where i want to lead on with you tom is that you know i was starting to dj then i was starting to dj yeah. in my friend's bedrooms and i was yeah. i'd gone from this isn't just something i like and i listen to all the time yeah i buy tapes i set yeah. i swap tapes yeah. I was buying and mixing the records. What yeah. when did you start thinking right? Well, it, it was around this time now. So I because I'd started teaching and I was getting money in. Um I so a couple of things happened. So one I had a mate who I was at, I was at school with uh, and sixth form Carl who had bought some 1210s and he bought all the gear and and he had a great taste in music and he sort of began to school me in sort of some of the he had loads of great deep house records and <clears throat> he'd uh, he'd let me have a go and he was like oh yeah no you're you're all right mate you know you, you know what you're doing and you should you should give it a go and at the same time 
I had I went out with a girl who was um she she also had all the gear. She had she had these twelve hundreds, this lovely silver twelve hundreds. She you know she you know and she was a drum and bass DJ. And and I used to watch her playing, and then when we back at back at hers, she you know I'd give it a go, and again she'd be like, "You should do it because you 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 tend to sync quite easily. You know you're not you, you know you've got a good ear for the beats, and she, I'd, I'd often you know be able to get sync something that she was having difficulty with, and she was like, "Why aren't you doing this?" And I'm like, "I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm really sort of I never again never really had the, the confidence in myself to think this is something I could do, but." You know, I decided to take the plunge, and I had a bit—I had a bit of money from teaching, and I, for about twelve hundred quid, I got some secondhand twelve tens and and a mixer and speakers and amp, and I had all the gear, and and I started to give it a go, and that's and that's when so this would have been sort of well, um, yeah, around the yeah early two thousand, so about two thousand two thousand one, um, and. Yeah, and began loving it, and began buying records, and 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 I was I was listening to pirate radio stations and records that they, that that would be, an, you know, the DJ told you what it was. I'd write it down, and at that time you didn't have Shazam, you didn't have much internet, but you could order. You know, I would I would find this. I would I can't remember what I'd use. I think is it Track Source or something where you could you could actually just type in the name of the record and then. You know, they would send you, and often these US there would be US imports, and you'd be spending through the teeth for them. Um, and I was buying a lot of US US garage, a lot of this vocal stuff, and a lot of deep stuff, deep you know, deep house. Um, and then I'd be going to places in central London like Reckless Records, um, Bluebird Records, Edgware Road, um, <clears throat> Groove Records on Greek Street, um, Rough Trade, Portobello Road. Um, in fact. Rough Trade was one of I, my first record bag was a Rough Trade record bag, <laughs> and and then and really I was playing a lot at home, practicing a lot at home, and then it was just I was just playing out at you know birthdays, school parties, parties, weddings, <laughs> and that was it. You know I, I I never managed to progress into. I think I played in a, I, I played in a club on. Upper Street twice. Um, they, I can't even remember what what it what it was or, or why I did, but you know that that's as far as I got. Other than that, I was just playing within a kind of community and group of friends, you know, and for myself. Um, and yeah, and I, I loved it, and I continued to do that for a while um, until really the. The job began to take over because teaching began to become all-consuming, really, and um, and and eventually the DJing became, you know, put to the side somewhat, you know, sadly. Um, and music. It's interesting how, in, in certain respects, the job was taken over my life, and in certain ways that. I was losing some of that joy for music, you know, into even just 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 playing music. Um, but I was always still involved. I would sort of go to a lot of live events. My mate Jason, who you know had been a big influence on me throughout my life in terms of music, he'd always get me out 
we'd get me a ticket for this and that and we'd always be going out to events so music was always still there in my life in some way but teaching really it started to sort of take over and without going into too much detail it's it broke me somewhat and but when it did there it was um it was a good thing because what happened was i sort of went back to the music and i rediscovered it in a way that just reignited the joy that it brought me in those you know in those early days in the early 2000s um Did you did you and, find and, did you find and, that you know, and I've not like looked that. back, you know. Um so yeah, it was that but that was you know, I don't have a huge history of like DJing in clubs, you know, like a lot of people do. Um it was such a personal thing. And whenever I played out to, you know, at parties and I, people would say, You should be playing out more often, you should be playing here, you should be playing there. Um but it was just not something I, I ever quite got into, you know, um, sadly, you know. So, um, so a couple of things to pick up on there, Tom. Um, yeah. it, one of the things that I found is probably true to a lot of the people I speak to is that during that period of kind of, I think it's around sort of 25 to 30. Yeah. There's an element you know, I'm not. I'm not going to say this is this is just a male thing. It, it could be different for different reasons for for females and it's males. But I think there's an an element where you think you have to grow up, and where your money and time is being spent is suddenly either by way of relationship or by yeah. way of career. Yeah. Put in a position where you have to kind of choose one or the other, and one can't keep on existing. That's right. Music's music's a very enjoyable um, pastime, and it's an amazing hobby. But collecting records and being into it is also quite all-encompassing. It's expensive and it's very, um, it's almost quite a personal thing. You know, no girlfriend of mine or friends of mine that would ever come record shopping. Mm. I used to go record shopping for hours and hours a week. Hours. Mm. I'd go into uni, um, I'd come out of my lectures, Yeah. I'd go along and I'd say to people, just going to pop into Manchester and I'd be gone for three hours <laughs> digging through yeah. piles and piles and piles of records to come home with two yeah. having spent 20 quid. Now, yeah. I guess the difference for me going forward from that point is that when I then went back to Cheltenham and, and when, that's when my DJ really sort of started, I saw it as an opportunity to make money from doing it. Yeah. You know, I'd, I'd practiced to a level of competency that I'd done all the private parties, done all the stuff, thought I'm good enough, done a few gigs, done a few things, and also was quite good at being social. So I'd engineered a little um, couple of places that would pay me. And as that went on, that nice. would afford me yeah. probably about 100 to 120 quid a week. Nice. Yeah. On top of getting a job in a yeah. coffee shop and in whatever else I could do, a clothes shop, all these different things. So I was always keen to be earning money and saw it as a skill that would enable my nightlife and um, my personal life to entwine. Yeah. Um, I'd been in bars. It all fit for me. My lifestyle became quite centred around that. Yeah. And the reason I'm explaining this is because it was probably became quite a, a large part of my identity. 
Yeah. However, similar to you, what happened is I I came out of being an assistant manager at a bar. I took a step down and I went to a smaller bar and I'm an assistant manager there. I've been there about a year and a half and I just wanted something else from the world. And I, I decided to start my own business, which at the time was with a few people. And it was a little bit like what is what later became um, these these sort of discount things where you could get huge discounts on stuff. Mm-hmm. It was like a hard copy version of that. Mm-hmm. And when I decided to do that, it just it was just I had to put all my efforts on it. We built a website. We got funding for this website. We got a Princess Trust loan. Yeah. And the DJ just it just literally it just went out the window and it was something I did like with with mates on a Friday or or all sort of weekend parties after parties after clubbing. Yeah. And, and I literally said to myself, well, I've got to grow up like I, I, this has got to take a back shelf. I just can't do it. I had been buying um, digital stuff, yeah. so started to like collate music a lot more thoroughly onto a digital format and I never stopped DJing in terms of making music because I always made sure that every month I did a mix I've got mixes going back to like 2002 it's ridiculous yeah so I never ever stopped the link of wanting to create a mix and the reason that I did is because I could very rarely find and we're not talking about like global underground CDs occupied a massive itch for so many people, but yeah. I could never really not create a mix myself that I was happier with than listening to somebody else's. Yeah. It would have to be um, it would have to be like a digweed or somebody high in caliber mm-hmm. that would that would ignite my imagination enough yeah. that would drive me on to want to make my own mix. Oh yeah. But also I would go back to them as a reference point. But everybody else, when the explosion of like DJ and everybody started DJing, yeah, I was just like, oh god, you know, head candy. All this like different like mini genres were coming out. I hate, I hated trance. I hated two step garage, and I stuck <laughs> to my guns in sort yeah. of ninety nine to two thousand and two, playing like yeah. Junkie House, yeah, playing elements of more popular stuff at the venues that I had to play that. Yeah, but I would really take people on what you probably know me as today yeah. a real journey through the night of different different eclectic music yeah. but that fair, period but... like i say of just going hang on i just need to grow up that is something that people either have kids their job becomes front and center mm. and but fair play to you for yeah. the you know that you at least had the wherewithal and somewhat of that confidence to actually to get yourself out there and put yourself out there and even in 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 settings where you were getting paid for it because i don't know whether it was something about living in london whether there was just a plethora of djs or whether and what it was just my own insecurities in regards to how it might be received how how confident i was in my own djing skills and as much as people would say yeah no you're really good why don't you play it you know it it seemed to be quite a a big you know step to kind of go from what i was doing which was just playing in parties and and house parties and 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 various events that were were, that were connected with friends and family to playing in an environment where you know nobody knows you and you know you're expected to make everyone dance 
it was to, to me that was very you know i i was it would have terrified me so you know if it's fair play to anyone who actually manages to actually get into that kind of position because it, it takes it does take a certain i think um self-confidence you know at the very least just kind of that ability to say you know what i'm going to play this and you're going to like it or, or not you know and whereas i was always terrified that you know what i might play I might kill a dance floor or you know just not be received well and of course this is um yeah do, do you know what i mean so you know it's yeah, it's yeah. But I also know what you're saying in terms of like how that it, but it then became a case of where suddenly everyone was DJing. And, you know, whereas maybe, and maybe it was different in the environment that you were, where you were, but it then that it lost also some of its kind of appeal simply because you weren't doing something very different to what anyone else was doing. And that, you know, there was suddenly a, you know, uh, you know you were one amongst uh, hundreds of of guys who who were just doing doing the same and so in some cases doing it better you know so um but yeah no i, I know what you say that and i know yeah. you're saying that it kind of it, it, there were changes in your life and in my life that just meant that to to an extent you just you just slowly began to leave it alone to the point where you just weren't doing it at all you know i think i think looking back you had to be um you know, compared to today's environment, I think even back then you had to have a mix of skills. I think I had always yeah. had good social skills. I always was quite good at hustling a little bit. I, I could understand um, from a business sense why yeah. me going and pitching a, a, a venue yeah. um, to DJ in yeah. would be a good idea for them and me yeah. because yeah. I there knew the social circles yeah, of how to yeah. get people there. And I think that probably comes from learning from quite a young age and i think it's it's often the case of second borns and third borns that you there's a certain confidence among within you just from you what you learn from your older brothers and sisters or what you, your older brothers and sisters bring you into environments where you very quickly learn to just feel comfortable and you learn those social skills whereas i'm a firstborn and it for me it was all you know I, I you know i was i didn't have anyone to learn from and you know my own inner, inner self-confidence wasn't wasn't great you know it was quite difficult for me to do stuff like that you know so so let's say like many you mm -hmm. had a break right yeah um you had a you had a roster i still put my hand in you know i still put my hand in, especially when i when i moved out the house i had my own little room and and I would <laughs> I moved in with five people and I got a few complaints. Um, I would I would just I would rock the I would rock because rock the house with you know with with, with my music. But um, how yeah. many records did you have? So somewhere in the region of about three hundred. You know, not a huge amount. I mean, I know people. You know, um, but you know, yeah, it was. I had a small little record collection. You know. I I I felt something, yeah. It was it was it was difficult having a record collection for a few reasons because one is that there's there's an obvious um, monetary value to them. Um, your tastes change quite a lot when you collect records, so yeah. you find that some sort of disappear into the ether. Yeah. What I found. Um, I, I had a particularly difficult period of my life and had to kind of cart these records around 
with me. Once I'd got to kind of like maybe about 500 records, yeah, it was it was a serious undertaking to work out like living arrangements. Like when I went to uni as a student, you know, these records were coming with me because I've spent like hundreds and hundreds of pounds. Yeah. They were literally more important than clothes, I think, at the time. Yeah. Um, and I remember piling them into whatever little tiny bedrooms I had. Um, but then subsequently, you know, living with friends like you, I lived with friends till I was about 25, kind of moved in with a girlfriend the first time I ever lived with somebody. I was sort of 26. Um, mm-hmm. You know, along come the records. The, the the person I was with at the time wasn't into that world, was like, oh, are they coming? And you're like, yeah. Um, and then you're shitting your pants because they haven't seen the boxes of CDs you've got. <laughs> so you, you kind of like you kind of like cart this stuff around. And I think this is what yeah. I mean about this kind of like looking through one eye at it from people going, yeah. You're still doing this, you're still messing around at this. And because they like were say the, they, you know, a box of records is an absolute it, it's like gold. like 50, 60 kilograms. <laughs> and so yeah you're just carting them about is an absolute pain yeah Yeah, it's serious so I think um for me personally the 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 same sort of story really where there was this hiatus um so what say there's this gap yeah like you said you kept your hand kind of in it like I did I I would I'd kind of make digital mixes yeah what was the what was the new eureka moment what yeah well it was so i i was aware of you know so i was still vinyl mixing um right up until um when was it now so it would have been about five six years ago but and by that time there had there had been quite a digital revolution a lot of people were using cdjs and controllers and and but it, and to me it seemed like a, an almost insurmountable um, electronic world that was beyond that was beyond me, and it just and I just thought, you know, you'd, I'd look I'd look at a controller and just go, oh god, what is you know, you know what's going on there, and <laughs> like or, you know, see see someone have a laptop and just be like, oh man, and because I didn't have a laptop for ages, and I was a bit of a luddite in that sense, um, but. What what happened about five six years ago is that I was you know watching a lot of YouTube you know <laughs> you know how like YouTube became it's became a big thing and people just watching a lot of YouTube in it and I started to listen to mixes on YouTube and I used to come across um, you know Sasha and Digweed and doing mixes on YouTube and Miss Monique um, was was a was a big influence <laughs> I love watching Miss Monique she do these hour long mixes and these and these and these all these other big name DJs and I suddenly and I would be listening and going oh my god like how good is that track and just getting these goosebumps and just just and just getting my groove on and just thinking oh my god like this is still fucking good music <laughs> excuse my French you know and just just loving you know and just going wait a minute stop it stopping it pausing it you know Shazam in it or kind of because Shazam was around then and you know or looking looking up on um on the the track listing and 
and I, I'm watching them and thinking, okay, that doesn't look too bad. You know what? I, 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 you know, I can I can do this. You know what? You know what? I'm I'm, I'm going to get myself a controller. And I, because I was loving, I was enjoying the music so much. I just wanted to have it and to listen to it. And I thought, well, if I'm going to have it and I'm going to listen to it like individual tracks, why don't you just start mixing again? And so I did. I bought a laptop and I got um I got a little DDJ, um just a little DDJ 400, <laughs> nothing nothing too too fancy. Got record box on and that was it and just I was flying I just realized oh, you know what this is actually it's so easy and not only is it easy I'm absolutely loving this music still and just just reignited my passion and at the same time found my groove and what I mean by that is whereas my taste in electronic music was so varied and still is and I still love all all forms of it progressive house just would do things to me <laughs> you know I would just get these emotions and these feelings of awe at times or joy or just you know goosebumps that while you can you know, you hear a really funky, funky house track, it would get your groove and get you dancing. You'd hear a, a, a properly chunky prog track and just be like, wow, just wow. You know, like quite emotionally, like what? And just that feeling, I, I decided, well, if something's going to make you feel like that, why stop? Why stop feeling like that? You know, and I'm and I'm talking about you know be, being sober. You know, this is not something where you're high and you're feeling like that. You're totally sober. You've woken up in the morning and you just you you know you've just been out of bed and you just turn something and you're like, oh, how good is that? And so, on the back of that, like, I decided to sort of you know what I'm I'm going to get involved. I'm you know I'm going <laughs> to I'm getting my name down, and I. You know, I started to sort of um, explore what was online within the kind of the progressive communities, and and I stumbled across Progressive House UK, and um, I also, you know, and and pro progress on, and a couple of these, uh, and some of these other, you know, UK progressive setups like Twenty First Century House uh, Progressive, and. And, you know, Progress On were putting on a competition. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to give this a go. And by this point, I'd already been doing a few of my mixes and I'd been putting my mixes on Mixcloud. And um, and I thought, you know, I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to give this a go. And I won it. <laughs> I won the competition. And that gave me a kind of a real boost because I was like, you know what, you, you're... You, you're all right <laughs> and then you know pretty soon after that you took me under your wing you know I think well there was a there was a PHUK competition which I didn't quite win but the person who did win it was a deserved winner I was like yeah their mix is amazing um and I entered a couple of other competitions where I came second or third and I was like oh and it just really boosted me and I just thought you know what you're loving this music you're loving this scene just keep doing it and just keep being involved in it and you know and 
and then sort of you know lockdown happened and that and lockdown and you know the covid years sort of galvanized a lot of that because all you could do was sit around and it was and play music and it was it was a big savior for me being at home being alone um what more can you do is listen to music and and get involved in the community so you were doing your weekly thing with lost in and uh and i tune in every week and i very quickly realized you know when i first listened to your you, to you mixing i very quickly realized i'm like tom you've got a lot to learn here, mate. <laughs> you know what I mean? yeah, there's like this guy really knows what he's doing or i was just like how is he doing that or like those transitions are amazing and just like wanting to learn from you and i thought well what's, what's the best way of, of doing that it's just getting involved and and, and you know and um and and watch and, and you know being there every week and watching you dj and listen to the music and 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 yeah and so and and here we are and here we are today um and now i'm djing for point blank radio as it goes <laughs> right 20 years ago i was tuning into them um and loving what was being played and i've sent them i sent i just wrote to their management and sent them some of my mixes and they were like yep yeah, we'll have you in let's have him in and they've got i'm doing a bi-weekly show now um, but you, you said something really like fundamental back there when we were talking earlier about oh this is the bit where we film video that you wonder what's going on basically my dog my dog um for everybody that can't see he's just off camera stuffing his head into my tracksuit bottoms and sniffing and just being generally quite crazy <laughs> he's now dismounting the couch looking like he's gonna do something absolutely That's wild funny. yeah so if you're gonna well, my, my cat's just meowed so it must be there yeah. must be something going on in the ether they, they're definitely they're like they're calling a timeout, Tom. Do you think that's no, what could, they're doing? It could be that, yeah. Give us attention. Shall we? Shall no, we no, actually no. do a timeout? We can do a We can do whatever we want, you know. We'll do. Let's do. Basically, what you did in the right order was decide you wanted to decided you wanted to do something. Mm. Have some balls. Take mm. it a step further. Mm. Prove to yourself that you could do it mm. by entering competitions. Mm. And what's what's quite weird when we talk about this mm. is that when you think this is only four years ago, mm. we were still doing DJ competitions. Like, it, yeah. could you imagine saying to somebody now, oh, I ended into a DJ competition? But the thing that you did is you sought out your environment. Yeah, You went to find where the music you loved was being housed yeah. slash discussed yeah and that is that's taking the right steps tom that's that's saying right i'm serious enough that i want to communicate with people put my money where my mouth is yeah and 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 start to mix music can you remember it's a bit of a tall it's a bit of a tall ask because even i would struggle but can you remember which artists influenced you at the time when you started djing uh, when you started you, DJing this in this time in this round. particular yeah this particular time around, um, so you know no two ways about it you know you know I, I would I would listen to Sasha's stuff and just be like right I want to be able to DJ like this you know um, at a very basic level 
you know, <laughs> some people might laugh at this, but, you know, Miss Monique was, you know, just, <laughs> I should be like, she she can do it. I can do this. <laughs> do you know what I mean? And she was, she's no great DJ, but she's really committed to her, to her, you know, to her art. And she was constantly just commit, just that um, singular of purpose, you know, finding tunes, banging out tunes that I was just like, oh, these are great, you know, and and at the same time, and Digweed, I mean, his bunker sessions that, that he did over the um, over lockdown were influential. You know, there was just so much good music. And what what I was, I, I was, and, and at the same time, I was, I was listening to yourself. I mean, I don't, you know, I was and find and thinking, you know, I, I wanted to be able to do what Danny does. You know, I, I thought I thought you were as good as anyone. In, in 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 my honest opinion and i was would absolutely get blown out of the water by your lost in nights and 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 just realize that there is this very rich vein of music you know either it's either it's, i don't know if it's still there or how to describe you know it's its existence whether it's just always been there and i've just been out out of the loop for so long or whether it is within the last I don't know how many years somehow flourished I know there's there's been a um there's so much good music coming out of South America for example um there's so much but this music is is so universal I mean these art these artists you know from in from Israel to Belarus to India to you know to Russia, you know, this just, and just, but just so much good music. And I was like, just I'd be hearing track after track and going, just wow, this is great stuff. And and almost too much, you know, because there's, there can be, there's thousands of tracks that are out there. And you have to sort of sift your way through the wheat and the chaff. And because there's so much that can sound so similar and just think, oh, no, that's so similar. That's just, a little bit too um, formulaic and it's the tracks that for one reason or another I would usually usually pick music based on to, if it gave me if it gave me goosebumps and, and it would regularly not regularly but you know you'd hit you'd, out of 10 tunes you might just get one that would just you hit you hear it and very quickly actually you, you would be like Ooh, you just just get that feeling you know people say house, house is a feeling it really is like there is something unique about this music and if you're tuned to it and attuned to it in a certain way it can just immediately give you that goosebump feeling and i would look for that but yeah i mean just to go back to your question yeah certainly sasha was always uh probably my my fave you know and he you know his his ability to, uh, you know, weave music together in a certain way that would, you know, create a certain vibe and a certain emotion and rock a place to its foundations is just is just unique. But you know, he's a he's a very unique talent. And um, but you know, yeah. So 
But let's 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 indulge ourselves. Let's geek out a little bit because mm. I said to you prior to um, this conversation on on the podcast, yeah, um, and in previous conversations, you know, I haven't really delved in with people to talk about mixing, to talk about mm-hmm. the art of it, mm. the, the the thoughts that go behind it. Now, yeah. you've been very kind and given me a lot of a lot of praise there. Mm. Um, so, so, you know, thank, thank you for that. I, I take what I do rather seriously. And mm. I, I say that with a sort of wry smile because it's not serious stuff, right? We're not, we're not brain surgeons and certainly your life is not being judged on the quality of, of what you're doing and the volume of people listening to you isn't such that you you need to lose any sleep over any of it mm. but i um have always had a deep 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 love for the music the art of it mm. but more than anything mixing yeah M- mixing to me was the difference between being on a dance floor and ruining my chi just if a dj mixed a tune badly he mm. undid for me the previous three minutes of enjoying that track mm. i understood from a very early age i don't know why mm-hmm. don't know why even when i listened to hardcore djs who could mix and then later people like bookham because bookham was in the drum and bass world long before he kind of went into the into his own sort of stratosphere mm-hmm. The guy could mix perfectly mm-hmm. without problem. Yeah. And I understood from my kind of collection which DJs were different than others because of their ability to mix. Mm-hmm. Did they always play all the biggest tunes? No. No, they didn't. Mm. Yeah. And I had a joke with Richard a couple of weeks ago, or it might have been last week, we were talking about something and he said that he stars all his tunes. He gives them ratings in his record right. box, right? Yeah. And he said something about three-star tunes. And I said, as a bit of a joke, life is too short for three-star tunes. <laughs> uh, because in my head, there is no way I'm going to part with any money. Mm-hmm. And there's no way I'm going to take a risk. Mm. If that first few seconds of listening to a track doesn't do mm. what either my kind of computer wants it to, mm-hmm. Yeah. It is out and it's here. Yeah. Now, when I say let's geek out a bit, I want to try and delve. And if I can ask you questions, they might not be easy to answer. So I will mm. I will help where I can in terms of how I think. Yeah. But when I think about, right, I'm going to make a mix. Mm-hmm. There's a few things that go on in my head. One mm-hmm. is that I'm already formulating the depth of the sound that I want. Yeah. And when I mean that, I mean what the energy of that's going to be. Yeah. Um, I like melodic music. Mm-hmm. Primarily, that's what, you know, most of Progressive had has that m- melodic core mm-hmm. that yeah. keeps it together. Yeah. It can have different rhythms. It can have yeah. different beat structures and it can be yeah. different speeds. Yeah. With, within a range. Yeah. But it's it's melody is the thing that's probably kept it going. Now those melodies can be quite haunting, they can yeah. be quite euphoric, they can be dreamy, they can be um, you know, kind of 
like the organic stuff quite melodic and light yeah but still but still quite um storytelling in in yeah. their in their way of use so yeah. for me uh, uh, there is also the beat structure there's the structure of the beats what you're going to do and how you're going to move the mix along from the first track to what would be your end yeah now all of the, all of this <clears throat> stuff is what goes on in my head before i've even started to mm-hmm. get tunes however mm-hmm. one of the things that i kind of realized quite quickly is that you need you need a starting place you need to decide what your story is going to be yeah and often than not i like to make intros i like to use sound clips that will help create a theme within the mix sure for me this wasn't just about differentiation between other djs it was about the very ethos of telling a story i want to tell a story with my mix and in that story there's going to be emotion there's going to be tension there's going to be energy storing up energy being released yeah now is this is this the sort of crazy shit you think also um to some extent yeah for sure i mean i'm when i'm putting a mix together and i'm selecting tunes um i've already sort of said that one of the things one of the criteria is um to what degree does this make me feel a certain way and it's usually and usually a goose a goosebump feeling but i also get there like a like you, you know because it, it would be very easy to for example go to beatport look at the top 100 you know a hype 100 and buy the first 40 and just ran just randomly buy the first 40 and then just mix make make a you know an hour's mix out of 12 of them you know just whack them together and you know i'm sure that that certain a computer could do it do you know what i mean but what i'll do is i'll go through tracks and it's it can be a little bit painstaking and somewhat there's a certain degree of anxiety in it because you there's so much music that and there's so much you have to just say no to so you can end up listening to 10 tracks and not liking a single one of them but at the same time you can end up sometimes finding quite a few and then that you really like and then you, you but you get to a point where it's like i have to stop now because it's like i could continue on for another two hours looking for me looking for 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 tracks but i have to sort of say just just do what you can now with 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 what this with with, with this particular bunch and I won't always necessarily stop there. So once they're sort of like in the bag, I'll go back to each one of them and re-listen to each one of them going, hmm, do I really like this? How much do I like this? Can I, because there's money involved as well. It's like, can I afford to get rid of this one? <laughs> so I kind of, I sift at least twice, let's say, you know, the, the tracks that I will have I've chosen. And then once I've got that together, once I've kind of got my tracks, then depending on what i want to do with the mix um and the sort of audience that i might be creating it for i'll will structure it in different ways so for my radio show my last three mixes have generally been um uh sort of 
what you might describe as from going from soft to hard you know basically linear um yeah yeah linear in a kind of and, and with a kind of upward trajectory so bpns would start quite low the, the mood would be mellow light um melodic you know even somewhat vocal and just getting steadily faster deeper harder till you're 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 you know you're playing something 127 bpn you're it's almost techno you know and you know debatable whether it maybe it probably is techno you know it's whatever because these, <laughs> these, these uh, labels are so um but uh you know somewhat abstract but you know yeah it's it's certainly the tracks i'm playing at the beginning aren't techno let's just put it like that do you know what i mean um you, you're quite eclectic like me right that's one of the things i think we meet in the yeah. middle is that we're not we're not scared to play whatever no. the genre is called it doesn't really matter yeah. the, the, the no. tracks work they'll work won't they yeah yeah, absolutely. And I'm always looking for a starter track. So I'm always thinking, will this work as a starter? And then I'm also thinking about an end track. We know what what's going to work as a final track. Um, and then on the on the way, you can because sometimes you can start hard and you just continue hard, and it's quite lit. It's quite it's quite straight. The waveform is just straight across, you know. And within that. There's moments of there's lulls in 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 the intensity, and then there's highs, and and it can there's almost like a a linear but straight but up and down waveform in the in the mix. And then other times it might start hard, get slowly a bit much more chilled into the, in the middle, and then go back up. You know, so that it's kind of like a sort of like that. Um, and then sometimes it's just I don't know. Um, just a bit more eclectic and, 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 the, and it's because one of the, one of the things the that, that, on. i think the time of the mix the length of the mix yeah. when i say time i mean time in length of the mix yeah. is very big determining factor in what oh yeah you can and can't do yeah for sure um, and yeah, sure, yeah. i always yeah. played very very long sets yeah a, a, a resident yeah and then would back to back where you'd yeah. go on for three and you'd come off for three with yeah. with dave ferno yeah yeah we were residents together yeah all these create time in your head of what you've got to do in the time you've got yeah i think for me that has always been something that i like playing longer sets but mm. i but i change I, but and if i've said this to you before certainly richard and i were talking about mixing whether people can tell i do it or not i change mm. almost the styles every three tracks right yeah yeah it's yeah. 15 to 20 minutes mm -hmm. seems to be a period you can move through mm -hmm. and into other styles yeah depending on how you do it you can do it quite seamlessly but that yeah. is my theory is that i start and have blocks of three so yeah in, a, in an hour mix let's say it's 12 tracks you could have four sections right yeah yeah and and that would work to get me from one place to the next yeah but play enough music that i would yeah. want yeah and when when yeah. you start thinking like that it also to sort of reference back to what richard was saying not every track needs to be five stars going crackers you no. then start to think right this track leads to that track yeah now the bit that's always intrigued me the bit that i love is the making is what i call the third track i mm -hmm. think sean 
Strudwick and I were talking about this on a message to each other. Mm -hmm. The third track is the time that the two tracks are together. The only yeah. DJ can do playing yeah. those two tracks yeah. that his head has put together yeah. that creates the, 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 the secret third track. That's right. Yeah. And that's yeah. what I found in terms of digital DJing just completely freed me to do all sorts. Absolutely. I could keep absolutely a noise, a rhythm, absolutely. Yeah. a you know, a percussion, a yeah. noise. It's usually a rhythm. It's usually yeah, because going it's quite, it's quite hard to get melodies the melodies in tracks in sync. But I would you know, this is where keys become important for me. Um whereas uh, for other DJs they're not necessarily the case. Because I can sometimes meld tracks together in a way that they it, it sounds the melodies seem to and and how how i do it is i don't entirely know how <laughs> it's a bit of a it's like it it's just a feeling it's, same, it's, it's, it's just a feeling I know you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's a, a bit uh, it's a bit yeah. like in sport when you when the ball comes across and you strike it you know it's going in. Yeah, yeah. It's barely hit your foot, but yeah. the feeling of the ball on your foot, you know it's going in. Yeah. And I think it is slightly intrinsic and it is slightly kind of in there when you just know. But I think prior to that, I can hear when two tr tracks will go together. Yeah. I, don't, I don't need to sit there and actually look yeah. at them going together to yeah. know they are. Yeah. You're right to mention keys. Yeah. I think there's a lot of DJs use key sync. I think it's just stupid. Mm -hmm. because you just would mix your tracks in the right keys anyway the mm -hmm. machine is not really putting your tracks in key it's bending them so mm -hmm. if you obey the harmonic wheel mm -hmm. and you obey the laws of musicians music that three up three down works that is how i've mixed for the last four or five years right that's yeah, yeah. that's yeah. not secret but it's to why i absolutely know two tracks are going to go is not yeah. only do is my brain said they'll go they actually go yeah. and then you mix them so that they do yeah you, you then use the mathematics of digital mixing to make sure that they absolutely go yeah. so this, this that's what i was saying about being geeky about the mix is that you, yeah. you don't just go i like these two tunes i'm going to mix them you yeah. did in the old actually you did in the old days that's mm. exactly what you did mm. when you got better you realized they probably don't go together as well as those in that order yeah and you used to get i used to get used to playing in vinyl in a certain order yeah and then i would have a, a record if that didn't work on the dance floor i'd almost have a what i called like an in case track where yeah. you'd go right that one instead you play that in case but, <laughs> yeah. but watching watching yeah. the dance floor as a resident for years and looking at the energy is also what's for me, gives me a confidence to play the way I want because I can imagine that energy for the listener. Yeah. Um, Lost in was an interesting project for that because, of course, you're playing live. Yeah. You 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 couldn't just play any old thing. Now you didn't know what other people were doing. Yeah. But we did in a way because everybody was on the chat, so everybody was listening and everybody was on the chat, but they were responding in a way on the chat that you knew everybody was listening. Yeah. And one of the things that helped me during that period not only from a mental health perspective but I was able to play to a group of people who were willing to let me just play yeah anything they didn't know yeah. it was yeah. like a request show yeah and at the same time I didn't I didn't want to disappoint by 
just playing whatever I'd got together that week, then I still wanted to put effort into it. Yeah. And we got to listen to an amazing amount of music. It was, I can't remember how many records I bought during, like, lost in in its entirety when I was playing every week. I was playing upwards of 30 to 40 tunes. Oh, easily, every, because you, every, you're, every you, I think you averaged around about three hours yeah. a mix a, a week. I mean, it wasn't always. Sometimes it was just two hours because that's all. Yeah, all it was good. towards the end. I had sometimes, to keep it. Sometimes you did four hours. And, I, and, you know, if two hours is about 24 tracks, you're talking, yeah, yeah. 30, 36 to 40 tracks, you know, on a weekly on a weekly basis, you know, yeah. But the thing is, one of the things that, that I want to stress is I still feel I'm learning. I still mm. feel I'm learning. Like, so I'm with every mix and with every mix that I listen to this by someone else, I'm listening to see what is it they're doing and why have they done, <laughs> why have they done that? And, oh yeah, that sounds good. Why does that sound good? You know, and that's always the, been the case with the big name DJ. So Sasha, for example, you just like, how does he? How does he manage to do that? How does he, how does he manage to capture interest? And of course, it, it's um, he has the the luxury of having access to music that is, in certain ways, already been sifted for him. It's already, you know, someone has probably he's probably got. Um, He's probably got some poor guy sits in a room listening to hundreds of tracks going, yeah, and then just goes, yeah, these are the ones. And he goes, thank you. Um, I, I don't know. That, maybe that's yeah, a no, I think mischaracterization. That's totally I'm, I'm sure he's, you know, he's being told, yeah, no, this one, mate, yeah, check, it, check this out. And he's and he gets access to music that is uh, is there for us, but you, we have to do a lot of sifting and, sh- sh- you know, we have to kind of, and so there's an element of that. But at the same time, it's, it's 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 a skill that's difficult to actually pin down and quantify yeah it's just and i'm so in that sense i'm always kind of wanting to learn and and i would listen to your mixes as well and just going how has he kept this going for, how has he done this for the last three hours do you know what i mean and just sort of thinking it's it was, we're still all going still really enjoying this um and in that mixture. sense uh, you know i like to I want to feel I'm always learning in that sense. Yeah, know. that's that's a nice way to approach it. I mean, certainly mm. I don't I, I don't feel any longer I've got anything probably to prove to myself. Mm. I think when, like you said, when I moved from vinyl coming back to digital, there was definitely an element at which, you, you know, I've discussed it on other talks where you get your first set of decks and you're hopeless on them because they're hopeless decks yeah but you go through the pain barrier with them then you get then you get your techniques and then a new sort of world of problems opens up but you've invested the money so you're emotionally invested and financially invested and you carry on and blah 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 then you might get a break and you realize that when you've practiced like mad at home you then go in and you think you're just going to do it exactly the same in this club and then you realize the music's so much louder you can't hear what you're doing yeah well, you never ever come to a bit where you where you've sussed it because the environments are different, the crowds are different, the um your feeling is different, your mood can be different. Yeah. You know, I didn't used to get very pissed when I DJ'd. I, I still don't. If I do have a few beers and that's how it goes, do I get better? I wouldn't say I get better. Yeah. I probably care less if I make minor mistakes, but I don't. I don't get better. Yeah. So the concentration um, 
levels that you sometimes need to mix for hours can be helped by your own passion within it like yeah. you you can't play music to other people that they will like hoping that their energy will always give you energy yeah and that for me is why these sorry to say it these twats that are on in the big Tomorrowlands and all the rest of it you're never going to hear about them later on because they're just smashing out music jumping <laughs> off the stage putting cake in the face fireworks <laughs> going off it's it's just for me not what it's about it's, oh, yeah that's another you know, level of uh entertainment don't name any names, yeah. we all know we all know them and um, yeah for me this is it sounds poncy but it's artistry i'm not i'm i'm doing this because i want people to enjoy it but i'm really enjoying it i kind of want to give all, all i can to my craft but and this is where I, my point is finally coming one of the things that i was doing during lost in was a massive amount of practice yeah. Not not yeah. before the show, because I program things. Yeah. I program things so they're right. Yeah. When you're doing hours and hours and hours and hours of mixing, like a golf swing or like penalty, like Beckham or Tiger Woods, yeah. that ten I thought about the ten thousand hours of practice thing about yeah. being being a master. So I saw lockdown as a huge opportunity to really put the work into yeah. the art and the craft. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously invested in better equipment was therefore more um emotionally and financially invested in, in doing yeah. it and getting it right i invested in equipment that would translate to a club yeah. instead of me playing on laptops and um yeah. you know um bits of kit i yeah. wanted to be able to plug a gig stick in if somebody asked me yeah and i've got all this music i wanted to be able to go and play it straight away yeah. so yeah. there was an element at which lost in did multiple things for me the fact yeah. your live keeps you sharp yeah. I can't stress that enough. Sure. Um sure. playing live, albeit a, a live stream, your brain, you, even the setup, you've got a million things going on. You're communicating yeah. with people, you're choosing yeah. tracks, you're mixing them, you're making yeah. sure all the bloody wires are right, the laptops on. Yeah. You know, thinking back those first few weeks, it was like mayhem. Yeah. But like you said, you've got to push yourself. Like mm. You've got to push yourself. Yeah. Why was I doing it? I was compelled to do it, really. Lockdown was fucking miserable, man. Mm. It was miserable. And I yeah. knew it was going to be. Yeah. A week into it, I thought, I, I'm not going to cope with this. I was yeah. actually working, but not working in the same way. Yeah. So for me, it was a lifeline. It was a fortunate technology um, time where we, we could, because I started on Facebook. But yeah I, I decided to do different things each week it's not something that i ever told the listener but i would some weeks i would concentrate on transitions some some weeks i would speed mixes up i would have more elements in mixes mm -hmm. I, I would i would practice hand speed mm -hmm. practice using my left hand more mm -hmm. it's, it's very easy for djs who are naturally right-handed to cross the mixer with their right hand and touch different things with their right i, I decided i wanted to be as ambidextrous as possible and I, and I yeah. really tried to push myself at being yeah. as good as possible yeah I, I went through a period of slightly not getting there with the effects yeah then finding my way with what i could add to the track because let's not yeah. forget these people that make the tracks they do an amazing job they, yeah. don't, they don't need you putting an effect on the top of it no. but if you get the if you get the effect right that's right 
and you get that's the right. energy right, yeah. your effect can be your extra yeah. energy to, to yeah. build that story. Yeah. So there was a lot of a lot of practicing going on, mm-hmm. um, yeah. albeit live. You know, yeah. life's not a fucking practice, is it? It's happening all around us. No, absolutely. Um, but and ultimately, that's you know, ideally you want to be playing live. You know, this, that's the whole reason you do it. I mean, it's because I think there's an element of being a DJ where you want to show off the music. You want to, sh- you want people to appreciate because there's an element of <clears throat> performance and within that kind of, you know, showing people, I've heard this, listen to this, you're going to like this. And people who appreciate music will go, yeah. And it's like I heard this track. Um, it's called um, "Drone Me Up Flashy." Um, I think it's called DJ Coes. And the first time I heard it, I just because it changes suddenly, and there's this transition. You, it's like you get about halfway through the the track, and then this this piano comes in, and it just turns into something beautiful. And the first time I heard it, I was just like, oh, man. I want people to hear this it, and it's 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 you know it, it it goes beyond just wanting just enjoying it yourself you want you just want to go hey listen listen to this listen to this this sounds like listen to how good this is and I I think it was my second point blank show and I played that was the first track I played and I knew and when I was putting the mix together, it was just that part of me that had had that reaction to the track. <laughs> it was just like, this is your opportunity now to 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 let to make people listen to it. And uh, I put it on, and immediately, uh, well, within about halfway, through, you know, someone someone put shout on the message app saying, "Wow, this is a great track," and that was it. You know, job done. You know, yeah. you, at least one. <laughs> One person out there has just gone, oh, and had that experience. And that's what you want to, you know, yeah, you, you find them you know? sharing it, aren't you? Yeah, that's what yeah. you're doing. Yeah. You know, yeah. I was like some sort of pirate during Lost In. If, if you'd have looked in my crate at not only the range of BPM, yeah, but the artist names, titles, like I say, I was like a pirate. It was like, I'm having that, I'm having that. I'm yeah. having that, and I would yeah. bung it all in there, knowing I was playing live each week. I didn't yeah. even have to care that I'd not going to play the same track. Yeah. I didn't even care. I was just going to get new music, new music, new music. Yeah. And there's a sense that I want to give something. I want to give a very sweet mix of things to people from the music I want to share. I want to give them a sense of nostalgia. I want to give them a comfort mm-hmm. that they have heard or like that sound. Mm-hmm. And that is mixed with nostalgia. Mm-hmm. I want to give them something they've never heard. Mm-hmm. And I also want to give them a rhythm that makes them want to want to be dance. on a dance floor. Yeah. Now, that's quite a heady mix when you yeah. know people are sat down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But true. that's where a melodic thread yeah. works because you can have massive melody and you can have elements of melody mm. and that skill going between the genres is about never losing the thread of melody but yeah. going through different sounds yeah 
and yeah. not exhausting people with one type of sound or one whole thing. And I guess yeah. that's where the three records thing comes from. Yeah. yeah. Where where you can very obviously transition from one sound to another. Yeah. When you know the listener's ready. You've built it in a way that they're ready to move through and they trust you in that transition to say, right, something totally different's coming. But yeah. I'm not my energy level hasn't disappeared or dissipated. Yeah. And I think like that that's what I have noticed the best DJs in the world do. Mm-hmm. They they don't mm-hmm. come on and play massive big tunes all in a row. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They they do tracks or they play tracks, they do things and introduce you to things where you go, what was that massive piece of music in the middle? Mm. And that's what mm. you're right, that's what it is. You, you you're still playing people music. Mm. And I think some of the really good techno that I found during the, the Lost In period really was like showcase bits that yeah. I was building tracks to those moments. To those moments, yeah. You know, yeah. were they three star tracks? No, they weren't yeah. three star tracks. Yeah. But these were like six star tracks and you've yeah. got to get to yeah. them. To and this, is, and this is, is often a dilemma to me because this... Yeah, it's your six star track. It's like, do I start with this? <laughs> because <laughs> you can start with that track and people are like, they're sitting up, they're, they're dancing, they're like, what? And then, you know, or do you start with something that's a little bit more, you know, so-so, and then you build, because it's like, how do you capture that? You want to capture that attention and you want to get that kind of, you want to have that impact, but it's like, do I start with this or do I lead up to this? And you're going to have a few tunes like that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And um, but you're absolutely right. It, it, either way, you know, you're um, you're having an impact. You know, and even if you start with a six-star track, you want to be introducing something a little bit later on that is as good as you know. Um, otherwise, you completely lose all. <laughs> you just like you peak too early, you know, sort of thing. So it's um, yeah. I know what you're saying there's there's always that kind of that structure of where you're taking someone on a journey you know for one of a better cliche it's yeah it's it's yeah. journey and um, well that, that that's what it is and no nobody wants a journey you know like turbulence in a plane nobody nobody no. wants that you know no. do, do you do you fly vertically upwards and then go like that no you don't in a plane you you, yeah. you kind of go up and you probably go up at different lengths and yeah. you know it's all got to be smooth otherwise people yeah. feel uncomfortable and i think that also knowing the the environments that perhaps people are in or or knowing the style of that club or the style of that um promoter's choice of djs helps you create a set that's right for certain places yeah. I think I think if I'm honest and without sort of shameless self-plugging, because I want to move on to your radio show, one of the big decisions about Early Doors Club for for me and probably Richard was that I wanted to differentiate playing live exciting music compared to music that I'd often mix because I knew people were sat listening. Progressive yeah. works on progressive yeah. works on so many levels. Yeah. But a huge level is that it's very listenable. Yeah. It's very, very melodic. You turn it up, it's got huge power. 
you know, I, I listen to Hernan every single week, every week without fail, mm-hmm. because I train. It's an hour long, a train to it or a run to it. Yeah. I listen to all your mixes. I listen mm-hmm. to all the resident mixes. Mm-hmm. I listen to all of the mixes that people give me. So mm-hmm. I listen to an awful lot of music yeah. as well as thinking about what I'm going to play. Yeah. And I think with the Early Doors Club, we realised that we needed to, or wanted to reach a bit of a broader spectrum of people. Yeah. And But give them, an, give them a clubbing experience that was still a mix of music. But what I realised is that in the club environment, particularly with what we were trying to do, we wanted to maintain that level of excitement. Yeah. And generally to do that, you need to mix quicker. You haven't got as long. Yeah. And I wanted to find a new sound. And I think I've found it. And it's quite hard. Okay. And it's quite, um, it's exciting. Mm-hmm. It's familiar. Yeah. It's new. Yeah. But it's not so out of the realms that people are going to be like, when's this going to get going or like where's the hook or yeah yeah do you know what I'm going to go off and chat because I think that's the energy of DJing in different environments is all about that and Richard and I worked hard at finding a sound that was nostalgic but futuristic but not um only inclusive to people who are into the music deeply yeah. I wanted people who haven't been clubbing in three or four or five or even ten years to come in yeah. and dan- and actually dance. Actually dance. To, to yeah. dance to music. <clears throat> Therefore you, your rhythms need to be thought about. Yeah. And melody isn't as needed as rhythms yeah. and breaks and chops yeah. and yeah. crescendos. Yeah. So that that that's been a really interesting thing because again, like you said, I, I'm seeing that as an opportunity to push myself. Yeah. And putting money where my mouth is, you know, nervous is the right word. I was nervous at our last gig, but the last early doors club was the most enjoyable set, the most enjoyable evening I've had behind the decks in Brilliant. In, in 20 years. Yeah, nice. Because everybody was dancing all night long. I nice. was finding everything Richard was doing, like you said, he, he DJs differently than me. I'm like mm-hmm. looking over shoulder. I'm doing the lights. The only thing yeah. I can see is knowing when the break of his tunes come in. So I'm doing the lights, looking over. I was just in awe of the stuff. You were VJing, were you? Yeah, it was three decks. He's doing three decks. And <laughs> it was just yeah so exciting. And at certain points when he was playing certain tracks, the ju- it was just a perfect vibe of 90 people dancing for joy. Yeah, yeah. yeah free as well yeah anyway yeah yeah that's enough about me mm-hmm. <laughs> tell us about what is strange because i didn't know that is your point blank radio mm-hmm. show because you said yeah. in the beginning you used to listen to him now you play on there right yeah that's right amazing yeah, yeah. tell us about it tom so you know um it's a different it's an interesting format because radio is uh well certainly point blank radio because you've got some radio shows where i've played on sort of uh house music radio online radio where you don't have to say anything you know you can just all you do is you, you tune in you play your set and that's it you know 
whereas that's not the case with point blank it's a proper radio station it's like you know like radio one or capital radio you can't dj just can't sit there and not say anything you've got to you've got to you've got to thank the previous dj uh for you know what they you know the handover essentially um you introduce yourself and what you're about to do because you 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 realize that uh you're always going to have a new set of listeners or people who've tuned in who don't know who you are, what you're doing, or someone who's ran, never heard, never even tuned into Black Point Black before. And you just, and you have to almost every time, it's, it's new every time. So you're just introducing who you are, what you're doing, how long you're going to be there. Um, and then you say, you know, you interact with the audience. It was so, you know, this week it was bank holiday. So it's like, you know, what's everyone been up to? And, uh, and you're speaking to an audience and you're looking for interaction because you, the, the format is such that you have, an app where people can uh, send in messages and the app allows you to just simply press a button which says that you're feeling it um, or send a message and then you've got an actual text to you've got a studio number and it, in that sense it's like it's, it's it used to be a pirate radio station so just like old school pirate radio stations you know the people like you know sending your shout outs you know the, the the number is and people would be sending in their shout outs you know this is steve in wrexham you know <laughs> you know loving the tunes this is banging you say like no shout out to steve you know and it's that same format even though it's now a legitimate digital radio station and people will send their shout outs in and and, and you know appreciate what you're playing um and you're having that interaction with your audience and and you'll have your regulars and and yeah, it's it's personal and you're you're talking and some people don't um always like that because you are talking over the music in it you know and but you're it's the, the 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 format is such that you're introducing music you're telling people what this is so you can have djs tuned in like like you like you would when you listen to a pirate radio station you might hear someone something going what, what is this and you wait for the dj to say something and lo and behold, it does. He says, you know, this is blah, blah, blah. The tune's called, you know, on this label. And you will, you'll do the same. And and what you're providing is to some people who certainly sometimes you've got DJs listening to the station. Be like, oh, nice one. Yeah, I'm going to buy that. Or you, they can, because you can always listen back to the show if you don't, you don't get it straight away. Um, but it's one of the things that's interesting is that, you don't even necessarily have to do a set. So if you listen to some of the radio DJs on, on Point Blank, they'll, they'll just bring, they won't necessarily mix a track in. They'll just, you know, they might be play a jingle and then bring a piece of music in, completely different BPM, maybe completely different style. Because, and, and to some degree, there's a certain freedom in that sense. You know, you're not, under pressure to make sure you're mixing right but i will just because i because i'm playing prog i will tend to put a set together and mix but you're mixing live you're not you're not playing a pre-recorded show and in so in that sense it's quite um you've got to keep your eye on the ball there's always something going on so you've got the messages you're making sure you're mixing okay. You've got to make sure that, that you know, the uh, you haven't got the mic on <laughs> because you've got a talkover function on the mic, which um, uh, means that when you are talking over a track, it, the the music is lowered just slightly so that um, 
you can hear what the what the DJ says. Um, and you've got to make sure you switch the mic off um, because there have been instances where, you know, someone's left the mic on and they're giving out to the, <laughs> giving out to the missus in the room or whatever, or the dog, you know, and it's coming over the, the airways and you've got hundreds of people <laughs> listening. Um, and you can tell from the, the app tells you how many, how many people are listening online and how many people are listening via the app. But what you don't know is how many people tuned in on digital radio. You the you have on average about 120 people with the with listening on the app or on listening online. But there could be another 50 to 100, possibly more, listening via digital radio. And in um and in that sense, it's it's a real step up for me, and I'm I'm and I love it. You know, and uh, you know, it's it's a it's a it's a different pressure uh, in the sense that you know you got to make sure you you got your you're ready for that. You know, it's only two hours, but you know, um, no, it's, very, it's, very, it's very professional. It's very professional. You know, I'm professional, I'm immensely you know. proud of you. Um, I don't mean that in a, in a condescending way. I just mean during the time I've known you, you know. I Progressive Arts UK was about quality. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I, I sort of talk about wanting to help promote underground DJs. You know, I, I don't do that in some sort of charitable way. Like we give everybody a, a crack. I'm, I'm quite. The door is is quite firmly shut. You need to get to a certain level, and your talent, your abilities have gone on and on and on and this this driving yourself this stuff that you talked about tonight about studying listening working out looking at different things looking at different styles watching djs listening to djs but also how you put yourself out there going in for dj mix competitions you similar to me have tried many different things from the pre-recorded kind of live internet radio shows to you did a live stream we did a live stream once didn't we for the i think it was the second birthday we yes, all got in birthday, a row yeah. and we did it one after yeah. another you know we've pushed ourselves and you've continued to push yourself right at the forefront of the kind of technology bit and the the the, the, the squeaky bum hole bit you know mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. things can go really wrong mm-hmm. and leave you feeling like an absolute idiot mm-hmm you've kind of got to push through it and you yeah. and the radio show you've done that i think I, I listened to the first one i listened to the second one i haven't listened to the third one yet but i can tell because i know you that even between the first one and the second one there's more of an ease in your voice in the second one yeah i was really um, nervous the first time and in that sense not quite myself you know um less was more get, wasn't it in that that's episode. right yeah yeah because so many of these guys it seems like they're come it's you listen to them and they're just so relaxed you know what i mean they're, because they've been doing it longer and they and they're just used to it whereas it's quite new for me to be playing you know um on radio whereas some of these guys have actually probably been doing pirate radio for absolutely years yeah. <laughs> for decades so they just it's just second nature to them so they they know exactly what to say and when to say it and um, whereas I'm learning all that and I think I'm doing all right, you know. Um, no, you are, mate. Nice um, but sometimes you get tongue tied as well because, you know, um, 
yeah the, the moment you press that button the mic's on and you and what you say is you know 200 people are going to hear it you know and uh and yeah um but i'm i'm getting i'm getting yeah every, every each show i think i'll get slightly more relaxed with it and you know hope i think yeah. also the 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 experience you're gaining is huge mm-hmm. um you know you, you you came up you did a progress on gig um you've dj'd a few gigs each gig's different, right? It has yeah. its own problems, it has yeah. its own environmental factors. Like, can you can you hear a monitor? Have you got a monitor? Yeah. Can you can you, you know, is the sound filling the room? Are are you playing enough tunes to make people in this space dance? Are they here to dance? You know, a lot of the time, actually, a lot of DJing, believe it or not, people aren't necessarily there to dance. Yeah. They, they certainly don't dance like they did back in the days with a you know, gay abandon and just like raving. Yeah. I mean, that's that's very rare. Um, you know, people tend to be a lot more sedate. They tend to film things. You know, clubbers yeah. don't quite act like they used to. So I think yeah, there's a lot become, of we've become more self-conscious. Yeah, we have because we, yeah. we know that we're being recorded and yeah. we're recording ourselves. We're recording everything. Everybody's yeah. recording, you know, yeah. all the time. And I think that's yeah. that's taken away from the element. Yeah. But the radio show is a bit blind. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't say it's exactly the same because it isn't by way of medium. But live streaming was like that. Yeah, you couldn't you couldn't scratch your ass. No. Or you could. You could do what the fuck you want, of course. <laughs> but I certainly didn't. I knew that the camera angle <laughs> that people yeah. were looking at couldn't be completely boring, but couldn't couldn't also be so busy that yeah. it was offensive. Yeah. You know, I thought about lighting. Yeah. I thought about the angle at which I was stood at, at which people didn't feel like my face is right in the screen. You know, if I step back, am I out of camera shot? Can yeah. I eat something at the side of it can i drink something can i be professional and give people not only a a sort of professional courtesy but also a kind of consistency that when they turn on ah i'm getting what i expected the music was the thing that changed but i didn't want people to feel uncomfortable and and i guess that's the skill like you're saying of a good radio show is a radio show can be like listening to your mate putting on mm-hmm. your slippers yeah and getting comfy mm. um and you and you'll get there tom because you've got the knowledge and you've got the the guts to do it i just think mm. it's the ten thousand hours of practice right you'll just yeah. get to a level and you don't know what this could bring you you don't know what this could do no no could bring um, currently currently there. i'm just i'm just happy to be doing it in and of itself i mean when i you know because you know, I've been listening, I, you know, when I found out they went, um, <clears throat> they went legit, and they had a digital show going on, and their the web page and everything. I saw they had like, um, you know, contact the studio, and they had like a little email thing, and I just tentatively said, just sent them an email saying, "Well, you're looking for DJs, and I play this sort of type of music, and." Here are my mixes. Check this out. And I wasn't entirely, you know, sure <laughs> they were going to get it back, but they did. And they emailed me back. And they were like, "We really like what you're doing. You've got some great mixes." Um, but first of all, you're going to need this equipment. And it, there was this kind of like, a, there's, there's a sort of standard in terms of what 
is expected in terms of preamp and your mic and and your sound card and stuff and at the time i couldn't quite afford it but <clears throat> when i could i let them know and they <clears throat> excuse me they got back to me straight away saying great let's um you know we'll do a little test thing and then you were straight in and it was like you know when do you want to and it was like oh, i want to do this and because you can you can dj every week every week or you can do it every other week whereas i've, I've gone for every other week because it's expensive it's, it's a finance thing if i had the money to be able to buy you know all, all, all the new because i i feel i have a responsibility to play new music i mean I, I and i could easily go back to my old mixes and play some old mixes and i probably will at times just to break up some of the intensity of having to find new music every two you know two hours worth of new music um and also you know and financially it's just you know it's just a little bit you know take some of the pressure off but i do feel like when i'm like this week it was like this is most of the stuff i played all of it 100 percent within the last year and 80 percent has been released within the last three months so you know um and yeah and 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 I feel a responsibility to these artists as well who are making this music to get that out there. And I and what I'll do is I contact them. Well, not not in every case, but I in a few cases I've actually just where, for example, the artist has put in their Facebook page the the advert for their track, their, their most recent track. I'll just put a little comment. I'm playing this tomorrow on my show, two to four. And I've had three artists get back to me. Thank you. Really appreciative. Um, and one asked me for the actual recording and say, listen, when you when you've done, send me direct message me the actual recording. And when I did, he was really appreciative because they need to get this music out. That's the only way that this music gets out there is, is when DJs play it on radio shows and, you know, and people hear it, it and then they buy it. It's you a know? really important point, Tom, <clears throat> yeah. that I think people forget. Um, I've always tried to what we call on social media, obviously tag people on. Yeah. There's ways of tagging people like, I want you to listen to this. There's ways yeah. of tagging people that's like fanboy. Yeah. Um, when I'm in the right sort of frame of loop with it, yeah. I will put a mix on for the Progressive House um, stuff or, or my own stuff Yeah. and probably tag people. And the the mix that I did for the Progressive House UK birthday, I, yeah, I put some I put some I put some effort into it. I'm not going to pretend I didn't, and I thought about it a bit longer maybe because it was the birthday mix. But I didn't particularly deviate massively from the types of artists that I've always used. Mm. Um, I didn't go for just all the popular ones, like you said. Um, I've got my dog now coming at me from all angles. He's decided he's going to go in a completely different door. <laughs> he can't seem to go in and out the same way. Come on, mate. Do the podcast here. Get back up here. Come on. That's it. <laughs> he runs the house, this dog. Oh, they do. Um, they do. And yeah, I, t I, t I tagged Nichols on because I'd used two of his tracks in the mix. Yeah. Now, I've used Nichols for, for years. You might remember some of his tracks from the oh, last yeah. days. They oh, are yeah. like, yeah. they are roof raises. Yeah. He makes yeah. a very exciting, different yeah. 
progressive techno wow, just amazing yeah and i tagged him on like what everybody else and similar to you he, he reached out and he was like i absolutely loved what you did with my track and i think it yeah. had layered the david attenborough over the top of his track at the end mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it means a lot because oh yeah certainly that's easier for me to do than create the tune he made and then yeah. we forget that these people aren't all superstars they're guys like me and you who are doing this more for a passion than they are for mm. trying to make lots of money various mm. um people get more success than others you know if they get picked up by the big labels but let's be honest we're not we're not messing about we're buying their tunes yeah we're mixing them with passion and pride yeah and that is probably let's be honest a huge market of the people buying their these producers records are guys like me and you yeah yeah you know nick warren might play one or two and never ever play them ever again yeah <laughs> but actually the fact nick warren might have played them might <laughs> spurn 500 people to buy it but it might be yeah. people like me and you that really yeah. really search cotton onto these djs early in their career and go this guy's good and i'm going to play it and mm. sort of stick to it yeah. so i think i think you will find that your radio station will give you an immense amount of pleasure and also that's a good angle to to sort of thank connect with and and be at one with the people who are really making the effort to make this music. I've always yeah. said I'm a DJ. Yeah. I mix other people's records. Yeah. No, there is nothing mind bending about that. The yeah. way I do it might be quite unique, but it's their records. It's their music. I'm just yeah. making a story out of it. That's right. Um, That's right. And I never forget that. It's not no. like you know I don't go around no. um, pretending to be anything other than that. So what do you think? What do you think in sort of conclusion that the, the future looks like for you, Tom? Well, um, that's a good question. Um, I mean, I'm I'm in a good place with the radio show, and that's going to be something of a challenge over as I get used to, you know, producing a show every two weeks. Um, you know, uh, I'm point blank. Um, and I would hope to play out more. I'd love to play out live, um, and to get an opportunity to play out live more, certainly. Um, and beyond that, I haven't really, I haven't really thought, but that's certainly, you know, one of my, um, driving intentions is that I get the chance to play out, you know, and to play to a live audience and to see my mixes and the music that I play affecting people in, you know, in a, in a real club environment, you yeah. know, um, and it's, it's, that's 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 it's, uh, it's, it's a bit like be it's a bit I've, I've used this and maybe this analogy before but it's a bit like being a runner and never entering a race yeah yeah <laughs> you know, <laughs> do, do you run yeah i love running yeah. that's fine you keep yeah. fit but if yeah. you say you were a runner that yeah. implies that you actually do events that's right and i think yeah. that is that is where you that's where you cut the imposter syndrome and you move into I can actually do this. Yeah. I'll be honest with you. 
I think that's what I needed with Early Doors Club. Mm. I, w- I was getting a lot of offers to come and do gigs all over the UK from people. And I was pleased about that because obviously I was doing something right and people were liking my music. But I was also struggling with the fact that how how do I sort of tailor my sound to their event? What time am I playing? What's going on? Yeah. The early doors club thing being at home and being different means I've got to put effort in. Yeah. It means I've got to put the effort in. Yeah. What I'm doing is removing some barriers of travel, yeah. Yeah. of pr- probably more difficult sort of um, structure around what I play because I play quite eclectic. Yeah, I've changed the style. I know where I'm playing. I feel extremely confident with Rich as a partner. And we're obviously promoting. We're in we're in the space that we're promoting, selling tickets. It's yeah. it's new, it's edgy. And I guess what I'm trying to say here is that both of us, Tom, in, in the years that we've known each other, are trying. Yeah. We're, we're trying, and by doing that, you have to take risks. Mm. You have to put yourself out there, and you have yeah. to get uncomfortable. Um, yeah. at times but how else do you move forward yeah it's true mm-hmm. it's true maybe maybe we need maybe we finally need some sort of progressive house uk night where we all get the residents together it, you know it has been on my mind for a while mm-hmm. i think if if richard and i can can get a community together which is what we're trying to do mm-hmm. it makes it a lot easier to try and do that rather than hang our hat on the progressive house uk thing as a brand yeah it's it's easy sometimes to have a crowd and then put on a night and and people be used to who you are and yeah. then invite other people along um you know well i don't want to put any pressure on you right now but please do consider sharing your radio shows on on progressive house okay you know the yeah. the, the the show that nick warren uh, nick warren the show that nick roger does um the void mm-hmm. is is probably the big brother to his earlier show which was the electronic cat and the electronic cat for all intents and purposes was an amazing series that was Mm -hmm. really a radio show nick used to like you narrate over the top you know yes it was pre-recorded but certainly the way he put it together was much more interesting yeah and his show the void now is is probably the show i listen to the most yeah um i'd use it for listening to work i've got a real admiration for nick in as much as he seems to have and be tuned into such a variety of music that you just you just wonder is how you know when when did he get time to breathe like <laughs> this guy must be listening to thousands of pieces of music uh, you know a week and yet he has that kind of confidence to put something together can, that can be so eclectic and so different he, and unique. Doesn't, he doesn't he doesn't care he's no. like so i'm gonna blow this out there and it's like this is great, you know, whereas do you know, sometimes... do you know one of the things I always say that's interesting about a DJ mix? Uh, 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 try this theory, right? Because I'm because yeah. I'm I think I'm right. Yeah. If you get given a mix by somebody mm-hmm. and you skip through it, mm-hmm. there are occasions when it does not make any sense. Yeah. You go, look, do, 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 do. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. yeah. Where's, where's the. Then when you listen to it, yeah, yeah, when you listen to it in a go, yeah. you're like, wow. And Nick's yes. are yeah. always like that. If you yeah. pick the needle up, move it along, so to speak, yeah. Yeah. you won't have a clue what's going on. Your brain, 
I listened to his birthday mix today. Yeah. There are there's some amazing tracks. Mm-hmm. And like you said, he, he's not just off the beaten track. He's on the moon walking around looking over the cliffs of God knows what, finding yeah. this music. Yeah. And this has been, you know, something I want to highlight with you because I can without stealing your thunder on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Is Progressive House UK is progressive. Yeah. We we don't play one thing. No. It's a progressive style. Yeah. And shows like Nick's, you know, hopefully shows like your radio show, they add a huge wealth to what I want to do with Progressive House UK as a as a podcast in general. Mm-hmm. But I'm with my peer group here. Mm-hmm. You guys don't understand how nice this is for me to be in collaboration with a group of people who give me music that I can listen to and enjoy. You're my DJs. I don't, I listen to Hernan. I don't listen to Sasha. I don't listen to Digweed. I don't listen to Seaman. I don't listen to any of those big DJs except Hernan and Guy J. They're the only two. Interesting. Everybody else is my peer group because you guys are doing the searching Mm -hmm. and you're bringing it back to me. You're Mm -hmm. sharing music. We're just a music club. Yeah. But yeah. I looked. I looked today at the stats, and you know, six and a half thousand people downloaded our combined music. Yeah, from it's our incredible podcast. when you think about that. It's amazing. Incredible. Yeah. And these really are people is. in America. These are people in Russia. Yeah. yeah. Even not. These are people in the UK. UK, yeah. I think it's twenty five percent. I think America's about twenty four. Then it's yeah. Russia. And then it breaks down the stats. Right. So we're not we're not just playing to each other. We're no. playing to global people who we can't see. Yeah. And the numbers are growing. And I think that the toughest battle, Tom, as you well know, is is bridging this gap between reaching more people and how important that is compared to the love of doing it. And I think, yeah. yeah. You know, to round this podcast off. There's a huge amount of passion in what you're doing. And you, you said there, you know, you're enjoying doing it. You've got to enjoy doing it. Yeah. If you don't, it, Lord knows where, where you're at. And sometimes I know I confide in you. Sometimes I get a little bit like, what am I doing? Yeah. I, I'm, I'm too busy, really. I'm in too many different directions. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. this podcast, mm-hmm. talking to yourself like this about the thing we love, has given me my joy back about what Progressive House was originally set up for. Because right. I yeah. think underground DJs are just as talented, just as dedicated, and often more because they're also doing a, a big time job. <laughs> Families, yeah. Yeah. you know, and they're doing this as a passion. So yeah. I, I just, yeah, I yeah. love where we're all at with it. Um, and I'm just again just to reiterate how like proud I am as a friend of how you're doing. You just Thank you, mate. And yeah. you've been a big part of it, you know. You've been a big part of it and just believing in me. Um I mean that's one of my um thorn in my side is self belief. Um so it's been uh a constant surprise which is nice in certain ways you know you know it's uh it's like, oh right oh you like okay you like that mix okay <laughs> brilliant um and that and it's interesting to be and it's so lovely to be doing something that 
can elicit so much emotion in a, in a positive way, you know, in, yeah. in, a, in a way that's um, that joy and at times awe. It still is, I still, it still amazes me how so many, that you can hear a piece of music and it will elicit a certain awe and you think, and then you'll hear another piece of music and it could be like a week, a week later and it's the same feeling. And it's like, how does music constantly do that? It's, and it's like, where is it all coming from? <laughs> you know, and some people believe that, you know, there's a kind of musical realm, you know, that you sort of tune into. Or, uh, I'm not sure if I believe that, but it certainly blows my mind how, you know, and, and I feel I've been quite lucky in just sort of finding it, finding music again in a way that sort of makes me feel those sort of things. And, you know, because there's, there's not a huge gap between awe and joy. And <clears throat> yeah, it just sets, there's little else for me personally that elicits those feelings that, that sort of, and so uh, I feel lucky really. And, you know, you, and, and you've been a, a, a big part of that and the whole progressive house community has been a big part of that. And, you know, thank prog. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Amen. <laughs> Thank you. Because of how. I'm to religion again. <laughs> I know. Amen. <laughs> yeah. Faithless yeah. was right. God is God is a DJ. Yeah, yeah. indeed. Yeah. Listen, thanks again, Music Tom. Spheres, you know. Thanks for, so much for being uh, firstly a friend and and such a good yeah such a good sort of colleague in in this little mission of what we're doing. So um, yeah. yeah, we'll catch up with you again. We'll have another yep. podcast. We'll get you. We'll get you going on your radio show, and we'll see in a in a, in a six months or so. We'll reconvene and we'll we'll catch up sure. again. Yeah. Yeah. All yeah, right. Thanks absolutely. again, Tom. Thank you. All right, mate. Yeah.